the All-American Spook Show Podcast. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, welcome once again to another episode of the All-American Spook Show Podcast. I'm Josh, and I'm joined here with Will and Smoke. What's up? What's up? And today we are going to review slash discuss the... 1977 classic Suspiria. Not to be confused with the one that just came out in uh, theaters, of course. Have either of you had a chance to see that one since we're on that? Uh, yeah, I saw it uh, shortly after, I guess, it came out, like maybe a week or so. I don't, I don't think it played too long. It's like a limited maybe release or something. How was that one compared to the classic? Like, Well, first of all, the, the classic Suspiria is up there for me. It's like one of my top. And I remember hearing about... There was like speak of a remake going as far back as I think 2008, like 10 years ago. They were talking about doing it and just all kind of things happened to where it fell through. Like it was a different director attached to it at that time. I can't remember who exactly. I think it was David Gordon Green actually was originally attached to it. Hmm. And then at some point, I mean, a yeah, whole bunch of things happened fell through. So. But uh, and I remember like when I first heard it announced, I'm like, why? You know, I'm not I'm not completely 100% against remakes at all. You know, there's some I think. A lot of hit and miss ones for me. There's more, maybe more misses than hits. But I'm not completely against the idea of remakes. But when I first heard about that one, I was kind of, you know, like how how do you even go about remaking Suspiria anyway? So I wasn't on board at first, I guess. But the more I heard about the new one when it was about to come out, yeah, I guess it it picked up, it piqued my interest a little bit more. So, but then the fun upon finally seeing it, it was I was a little bit. I mean, I was pretty much thought that it here and there certain scenes were had a lot of potential but overall i just thought it was a bit overlong and you know drawn out kind of disappointed with it overall i guess but i just thought it had moments here and there that were that were pretty good and i thought the conclusion was pretty cool had a pretty crazy conclusion i mean totally different than the original without yeah that's what i was going to say without giving away any spoilers was it uh different from the original yeah there, there was a they use kind of like, I guess, the skeletal framework of the original as far as it, you know, dealing with the, the third, the, the three mothers. Well, the one mother made her Suspiriorum, uh, the witch. You know. mm-hmm. So that plot element was there and some of the characters were there. But a lot of it got, uh, I guess, you know, switched around a lot. So it wasn't, it definitely wasn't spot on. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, you know, you don't really need a remake to be spot on. Anyways, you nah. know, what's the point of remaking it if it's going right. to be a shot-for-shot shot remake? Right. Now, they, it, that was, I forget how long it was. I know it was well over, I think it was pretty much over two hours long. And there was a lot of that that I think could have been trimmed down just to get a little bit tighter. I'm sure, because the original was all, uh, was an hour and 32 minutes. So if yeah. if they're stretching yeah. it out by over 30 minutes, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's probably a lot of uselessness in there somewhere. Yeah, and and they tied in some. Well, the part I kind of thought was cool about it too was the fact that it's set in 1977 when the first one came out. Oh yeah, uh, it's set in Germany. So there's and there's a lot of the political things that were going on at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the movie that it was set in, and they kind of incorporated that into the movie too. Hmm. I wasn't aware of that. I thought it was uh, like you know a modern setting, but that's pretty cool. Because hmm. yeah, the original, you know, the original Suspiria also being set in Germany. So, but I mean, there was no political. It was all, you know, the original one being more of a fairy tale yeah. aspect to it. This one had a little bit of that, but kind of went away from that, shied away from that side of it and went more towards 
uh, sort of political associations and things. So. I'm sure I'm sure we'll eventually get around to it. I mean, like we'll we'll put some yeah. space we'll put some space between the classic and the the remake, so it'll probably be a while, but I'm sure we'll eventually get around to it. Oh yeah, I definitely need to re rewatch it again too, just to because I mean for another thing too, it was late at night. Like I said, it was a long movie. We saw the last screening of it, so by the time it was ending, I was I was basically about ready for it. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> being that long and being kind of slow going, I need to revisit it. These days, for, these days for me, man, if it's not like a, you know, a superhero Marvel movie that's over yeah. two hours, just about anything else, like after an hour and a half, I'm ready to bail. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it doesn't help, too, that, you know, most of the theaters now have the recliner seats, you know, spoiled yeah. with that. So <laughs> once you recline back and it's like 11 o'clock at night and this movie is two hours long and it's kind of slow and draggy for me. Yeah. That, I was fighting it at the end <laughs> just to just to stay awake for it, you know. Uh, I'm just yeah. I'm gonna revisit it again. I thought it was okay. Definitely wasn't blown away by it. My fiance, on the other hand, she really liked it a lot. So, hmm. so there's another perspective there. She she loved it. Or you know, I don't know if she necessarily liked it as much as the original, but she she enjoyed it more than I did. So hmm. I'm gonna rewatch it again though and see what I think. So Will, um, I guess we'll move on to like you know what you've been doing, what you've been watching lately. Anything new here lately? <laughs> No, pretty much uh, a lot of the same. Uh, just uh, <laughs> watching my DC shows. I finally uh, finally got to uh, somewhat get caught up on The Walking Dead. I'm not quite caught up to to what's airing tonight, but uh, I did finally see like the the big episode uh, for Rick. Yeah, we're as we're recording this on. Uh... This is Sunday, November twenty fifth. So uh, I think the f- uh, mid season finale is tonight of this season of The Walking Dead. Oh, okay. I too actually have finally caught up to because I think I mentioned some in the prior podcast that we didn't have uh, any cable or satellite right now. So, mm-hmm. but I finally was able to catch up with The Walking Dead uh, up to the point. Well, up to the point of I think the last last Sunday I missed, and then of course tonight I have to catch again too. So. Where did Where did you say you were in it, Will? Uh, I think I watched the episode, like about half of the episode following, uh, the Rick episode. Okay. So you both got past the, or at least up to the time. Yes. Yeah. 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 What do you think of that? Are we, we're not giving out, are we giving spoilers or no? (laughs) I mean, I, at this point, I'm sure. I'm sure anyone that's listening to this either doesn't watch that or is all about it. So, right. uh, You know. (laughs) And and I'll, and before we go into it, I, you know, just for those that may not have listened to the first two episodes, we are a spoiler-filled podcast. You know, we'll, we'll be talking about the classic Suspiria today. There'll be spoilers, but if you haven't seen it in the last forty years, then that's on you. <laughs> um, but even even like if we're discussing The Walking Dead, whatever whatever's current, as long as we're up to it, just know that we'll probably yeah. be spoiling it if we're talking about it. So go ahead, uh, Smoke. What do you think about it? Uh, I thought it was well. I had a lot of questions, of course, and then like, like, yeah, well, because I know I've read that I think Rick's going to go on to do movies, right? He's going to be in the Walking Dead movies that they were talking about doing. At least that's what I heard. Yes. But then I guess that his story arc will somehow be completed in that because at the end of it, you know, he's not dead, but they don't know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the people in, you know. Yeah, that everybody the, else doesn't know that yet. So. In the marketing for it, they made no secret that this was. Yeah, Rick Grimes' right. final episode, but they didn't right. say he's going to die, or they just said that this is it as far as the Walking Dead regular episodes are concerned. Yeah, with him in it, so I assume he's not coming back even after the movies, right? He'll be 
I'm guessing done, or at least at this point. Yeah, I mean, unless they change yeah. their plans, I assume so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you would think so, but I mean, they're they're also going to market very similarly to the uh, show that just came out. Because I mean, I believe the whole reason that he's leaving is to spend time with his kids who are, oh, you know, starting to grow up. Uh, I mean, if, if this turns into essentially the the Simpsons and and it goes on for eighty years, <laughs> he might be uh, back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm sure they, they could find some way to ease him back in. Because now, I, I don't know if you guys picked up on this or heard it or whatever, but that, that last episode with Rick Grimes, uh, Andrew Lincoln, that was mm-hmm. also the last episode for uh, Maggie. The, um, I can't think of the actress's name. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. that was the last episode yeah, for Maggie, she, too? Yeah, she's done, too. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> They're basically, I guess they're kind of explaining in a way like, ah, eh, she's, she's away tending to other things right now, somewhere else, helping another, uh, oh. community build. Gotcha. Huh. But it's because she's about to like have her own show on, uh, ABC or something like that. Oh, okay. So, but it seems like they're leaving the door open for her too, like to either come back. To, that's yeah. why they didn't really advertise it because, you know, at some point maybe you'll probably see her again, but it just might be a while. Oh, okay. I was searching for her name just now, just so we could uh, uh, kind of put that in there. And what I'm seeing now is uh, Maggie will return for The Walking Dead Season 10. Oh, that's the current season, right? Season 10? Or is that next season? What, what's, I'm, I'm blanking on what season I don't know. This was, re- this was uh, relayed three days ago. Okay, so that means she'll either be back at the end of this season or beginning of next. But, ah. yeah, so she'll be gone for a while, I guess, then. Uh, her name, I believe, is Lauren Cohan. Yeah, that sounds right. Lauren Cohen, yeah. I think that's it. And wasn't she in a movie, too, not too long ago, a recent? Like, yeah, Mark Wahlberg movie, movie, I believe. Oh, was it? And she also played... Also, she also played 27 Batman. Miles or something like that. She was oh, okay. also Batman's mom in... Uh, <laughs> Along with Negan. Uh, Dawn of Justice, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Negan was his dad. <laughs> no, no, I thought Negan was his co-mom. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, hey, at least at least they didn't like kill off Rick and then decide, you know, later that he wanted to come back and have like a Bobby Ewing Dallas episode where he wakes up, you know, he's in the shower yeah. and turned out the whole season was a dream before that. They <laughs> <laughs> could still do it. It's still good. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> the, the, the show went on for 15 years, but for some reason, Rick died in his own dream and woke up back right. in the hospital. <laughs> No, he wakes up back in the hospital from the first episode, and it turns out the yeah. whole thing is... Yeah, you know. I was about to say, they could easily end this show that way. Like, 10 years from now, just, oh, shit, he just woke up, and he's still in that hospital <laughs> yeah. bed. Yeah. You want to talk about pissing off a fan base? <laughs> yeah, I hope that- yeah that, that whole Dallas Bobby Ewing thing would be nothing compared to that. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to see it now. I want that to happen now. <laughs> <laughs> And while we're talking about that too, I'm not sure about the the comic books because I haven't. I used I was reading Walking Dead for a while, but like like I mentioned also earlier before, a lot of things ended up going to the wayside when you know when it comes to it's like collecting I, you know still buying. I still I still buy the comics uh, monthly, mm-hmm. and, the okay. thing, and the thing that I always say about it it's like, it's like they they take a wide um, approach to get to the same spot. Gotcha. You know, okay. Like the, a lot yeah, of the things. A lot are, of different things happen. Yeah, a lot of things that are going on in the show 
still go on in the comics, but just in a different way, you know, and they arri- and they arrive there a different way, you know. <laughs> so it, it sounds like it's very similar to the Suspiria uh, redo, where they use <laughs> yeah. the skeleton and go back, and that's yeah. what we call a callback. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, they, and they needed thirty more minutes to I'll tell be- it. <laughs> Um, yeah, myself, I've been, uh, God, I mean, I, I, I've been trying to like, you know, catch up on random shows and stuff, but I actually finished watching, uh, what is it? Haunting of Hill house. I think that's an, I don't blank on the name of it on Netflix. Excellent. Re- highly recommend it. I've been watching some, uh, last drive in, you know, with Joe Bob Briggs on shutter. Some of the, oh, yeah. Yeah, some of the previous, well, I saw the first one. <laughs> I'm still, you know, about seven or eight movies in on the first run, you know, back from the summer and oh, okay. I wa- and I watched the first two from uh, on uh, Thanksgiving night. He did Dinners of Death. Oh, yeah. Yes. I was unfortunately out in the melee of the whole Black Friday madness thing <laughs> to have missed the, as it aired live. But uh, I did watch it the other night. We watched uh, Texas Chainsaw, and it was late. It was like 2 or 3 in the morning by the time I went to bed. So we did. I still ended up watching the opening to uh, Hills Have Eyes. I haven't heard, but, but I, don't, I, don't, I don't think they broke Shutter this time. Cause I had heard the, yeah, I don't the, think... the first time it like really fucked it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why I was ready to go that first time. That first night was, had all my stuff ready and then was in that whole thing of what the hell's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not working. And I thought it was on my end as everybody probably did at first. Yeah. And then, you know, I go on Google and find out what's going on and find out it was okay. It's just so many damn people traffic. Yeah. It is. So yeah. yeah, I was in part of that when it was happening and then finally was able to see it. I think the next day when they put them all, well, when they started putting them all up as they were going, I guess. Yeah. So I, yeah, I was able to watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre Thursday night. And then I got about 40% through, um, the Hills have eyes before I had to uh, stop. Okay. But yeah, I'll finish those at some point. You seen, you seen Hills have eyes before though? Oh yeah. Yeah. I've seen it before. Yeah. Yeah. And the yeah, I mean, I, I've seen all those ones. I think that he's playing the four, but I, you know, of course always love watching it with his commentary anyway. Cause he, yeah, yeah. He's always informative and interesting and funny anyhow. So, Yeah, I was actually watching, uh, or maybe, I'm, no, I'm, I haven't finished it yet. I was watching Blood Feast, you know, from the first uh, mm-hmm. marathon. Oh, yeah. And, uh, man, he yeah. re- he really knows a lot about that movie, man. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, hell, the hell, speaking of that, Blood Feast was basically the first Splatter movie. Yeah. The first, what he, I Even think though he it was like more the first comical gore. or whatever, but... Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's some horrible acting. Good lord. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I do. I do love that. I'm a, I have a fondness for Herschel Gordon Lewis too, I guess, and it's more of a, more of an acquired taste over the years, I guess. Because the first time I saw a Herschel Gordon Lewis movie was back in the '80s, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you read a little bit about it, you know, it's a really gory and this that, and then you see it, and you're like, it's a struggle to get through uh, the acting part of it at first. I mean, then you know, I've gotten used to it, of course, over the years. So. Will we talk about movies that I know you haven't even heard of, much less seen? Um, mm-hmm. You have to see this one. <laughs> like, we need we need to get this one in the rotation soon yeah. because that yeah we one, should I think we should my lord hell you know what would be I think we should do also maybe is we could do like a back to back an old and old and semi new not really new but I don't know Josh if you've seen Blood Diner yeah which yeah. is sort I, of a I've retelling actually, you seen that one I've actually got that on Blu-ray yeah. the Vestron series <laughs> yeah yeah that movie's hilarious I love that. and that was basically an homage to Blood Feast too so. I might make an interesting little duo. Yeah. <laughs> a double bill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just I just bought Deadpool 2 on Blu-ray. So. <laughs> nice. <yeah. laughs> 
I just wanted to get in on the conversation. <laughs> Yay, I bought a movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I, I, we bought tons of them on that Black Friday. Day. That, in fact, the whole Black Friday thing, we'll go out in it, but not necessarily get anything of, you know, to stand in line for electronics or getting that kind of craziness, but really just to go to Best Buy, Walmart, and Target and score all the uh, Blu-rays and DVDs for cheap. Yeah, I got into, uh, I went to Walmart uh, yesterday. It was on Saturday, the day after Black mm-hmm. Friday, and uh, I was still able to get a handful of uh, Blu-rays and DVDs. Yeah, they had, uh, they lost one of ours. We were in, a, it was a Best Buy, and it was Chaos Course. We were, I was standing, my fiance was in one line, and I was in the other. We kind of like split it up, because we had both had stacks of DVDs and Blu-rays, mm-hmm. and the lady was ringing it up, and kind of talking and ringing it up and all that, and then she knocked the whole stack over on the floor which I didn't think anything of, whatever, you know, because she picked them up and put them back on the counter and everything. I get home going through the DVDs and Rambo First Blood Part 2 was missing. <laughs> like, what the, I had all, because we bought that whole that whole trilogy, you know, the, the 4K mm-hmm. ray that they just put out of them because they were like seven bucks. Wow. So I had all three with all the other movies we had in there, but that one wasn't there. But shit, she knocked the stack over and was talking and probably just picked them up and thought she got them all. It probably slid, un- one, slid so. under the cash register and it's still there for 10 years. It, it actually, <laughs> well, we went back the next day, well, or the next day after that, whatever it was, we, to see what was left, I guess, and see if there's anything else we missed. And also, the, because I called and it was crazy. Nobody ever answered the phone. We were on hold for like half an hour and I just hung up. <laughs> Figured we'd go to Columbia and take care of it again yeah. the next day. So when we did, that was like the, she was there. I went up to her and she remembered the whole thing. And then she's like, oh, yeah, I found the. Rambo First Blood Part Two underneath the thing, but I didn't realize it was from that. I guess she didn't; she had forgotten about the whole stack falling over. She just thought it was, and she put it back on the shelf. Wah, wah. So then they go find it, and all of the all of them are gone. Like it was just Rambo Three and First Blood were there, but not two. Of course. So we ended up getting something else. <laughs> so that was a Black Friday debacle. Damn you, Rambo! <laughs> <laughs> Smoke, oh, you've you been you've been watching anything uh, new, good recently? Anything interesting? Uh, uh, well, we already discussed, I guess, about Joe Bob. We saw uh, I've seen Texas Chains all good. Who knows how many times? But that Dinners, uh, Death. We saw. I try to remember what the heck who he was the last one we saw. Now, let's come back to that one. Any news going on? Oh yeah, I know what it was now. Okay. <laughs> now I remember what it was. It was that that uh, new Fantastic Beast movie. You know, I haven't seen the uh, the first Times one. Are, that was pretty good. Yeah, well, it was. It was pretty good. It's uh, it's this is a continuation of the last Fantastic Beast, which was more of a had a little bit more maybe humor and everything going on in that one. And this one went, gets a little bit more serious, kind of like the, I guess the Harry Potter series itself did near the end. Any other uh, things we should get off the table before we get into Suspiria? Anything new? Anything old? New business? Old business? <laughs> um. I guess we should address the fact that it's been a month between episodes. Uh, we just had a number of delays and us all getting on the same page schedule-wise to record. But we'll get it together and we'll get our shit together and hopefully we can do this in a more regular schedule going forward since it was a month in between. Here is the trailer for the 1977 cult horror classic Suspiria. Roses are red, violets are blue. This is the flower that will mean the end of you. Shut up, You can run 
from Suspiria. Suspiria. You can hide from Suspiria. You cannot escape Suspiria. The only thing more terrifying than the last 12 minutes of Suspiria are the first 92. Alright, so that was the trailer for Suspiria. Um... It was released, according to you know my research, it was released in the United States August 12th, 1977. But it came out uh, February 1st of 77 in Italy, which it's obviously it's an Italian film, so it played there for a while. That's quite some time before it oh, opened yeah. here. Um, the total run time is 1 hour 32 minutes, starring Jessica Harper, Stefania Cassini, and... Flavio Bucci? <laughs> Is that how you say his name? What was it, Flavio? Flavio Bu- Bucci? Bucci? Yeah, I think so. Bu- or Bu- Bucci. Bu- or Buki, rather. <laughs> Kabuki? B- B-U-C-C-I. <laughs> so however the hell you say that. That guy. Oh, B-U-C-C-I? <laughs> I think it's Bucci. Bucci, okay. <laughs> it was written and directed by Dario Argento and produced by... Salvatore Argento, his his dad, yeah. which I didn't know that until I you know looked around a little bit that it was his dad that produced it. That part I knew, but I didn't know about the Fabio Bucci, yeah. <laughs> or Buki, Buki, America Buki. <laughs> um, on IMD on okay on IMDb it had seven and a half out of ten stars. Mm-hmm. On Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter, it was certified fresh at 92%. And the audience uh, number was 83%. Which, you know, that uh, I, with this kind of movie, I could definitely see. Oh, yeah. The audience not liking yeah, this quite as much as the critics. Yeah. And that's out of 15, or I'm sorry, 52 critic reviews. So that's a really, really high score for that many critic reviews. But this isn't your typical horror movie. True, yeah, it definitely falls more on the on that art ha- art house side of horror. Yeah. Um, the Rotten Tomatoes synopsis: An innocent American ballet dancer's excitement at being accepted to a prestigious European dance school turns to terror when she discovers that the institution is a cover for a murderous coven of witches. So, uh, Will, had you ever heard of this movie? Or I, 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 I it goes without saying you probably never saw it before, but had you even he- ever heard of this movie before? No, no, and I think at this point we should just play a recording of me saying this on the previous movies. <laughs> <laughs> never seen it, never heard of it. Yeah, until 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 we see like uh, what the first Nightmare on Elm Street or uh, Friday <laughs> oh, yeah. the Thirteenth or something. Scream One. Uh. <laughs> So what I guess uh, that being said, what were your initial thoughts? You know, after watching it, uh, very unique. 
I'm going to try not to give away my, 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 my true final thoughts on it uh, until the very end. Uh, but uh, very different. Especially compared to the last two that we've watched. Re- Absolutely. Reanimator and um, Trick or Treat. Smoke, yep. let's hear your history behind this. Because I know you've probably seen it a hundred times. And, and whatnot. Yeah, it was, it was, well, it never got released on VHS in, in the U.S. until... 1987, I want to say, maybe? 88, even? Mm-hmm. No, 88. I think that was when that first VHS release came out. And I'm, I, the history behind why that is, I'm not entirely sure. I know it got released on the whole Grindhouse circuit and some of the drive-in circuits and stuff, and like I said, in 77 when it came out in theaters. But I don't know if it had to do with license distrib- distribution or somebody trying to get the rights to it or what. But it never actually hit VHS until 88 on uh, Magnum Entertainment put it out and they put it out in a r-rated version and a unrated version do you think and, it's, do you think it's because of uh maybe low demand or not just a lot of people knew about it so it, it could be but i mean the, the thing at that time though argento's name was he'd already been out there with uh like the the giallo genre which is an italian sort of specific to italians and giallo meaning yellow mm-hmm. is a specific kind of pulp fiction thriller type horror genre that that uh, it came about in the 60s, but Argeno kind of took it in his own direction with uh, Bird with the Crystal Plumage, which was his first movie. And in stuff like Cat of Nine Tails and uh, Four Flies on Gray Velvet, Deep Red. So he had a name for himself already. So I don't know exactly. I mean, that might have played into it a little bit, but I don't know exactly. I mean, I know they, they probably knew they would make some money off of it. So it still could have been some sort of licensing issue. But I haven't, like I said, that part I haven't actually heard the reason why it took so long to get a home video release on it. So by the time, it but got, I saw it before. So, the, uh-huh. oh, so, oh, so you saw it before it came out on VHS, or yeah, in the uh, in the sort of gray area of tape trade VHS tape traders. Uh, back in, uh, <laughs> that again. Yeah, it was because it did get put out on on a laserdisc in Japan, and that's how I saw it was a duped laserdisc with uh, Japanese subtitles, but English dubbing. Mm-hmm. And that's how I saw it originally was through that. And then, then when the VHS came out, I remember renting it from, from uh, Appliance City Rentals, was one, of the, one of the main video stores I used to go to back in the day. And that was when I finally first saw it in better quality because that, that Laserdisc dub, of course, was you know a few generations out, I believe. So it's pretty grainy and, and rolling picture and all that stuff. Mm. What well back then when you first saw it, do you recall what your initial reactions were to it? Yeah, I'd read about a little bit about it, so I kind of knew a little bit going into it. What not the whole gist of it, but sort of what I was getting into that it wasn't. I knew before I saw it that it wasn't the typical type of horror movie. I guess so. First time I saw it, I was, I definitely was pretty blown away by initially Goblin's score. First of all, mm-hmm. and that whole opening scene is just pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. I'd never seen anything done quite like that as far as in a horror movie of uh, the cinematography, the score, and how the, the setup for that that shock opening scene was, you know, done. Yeah, it's definitely probably one of the better parts of the movie, that first first little bit. Oh, yeah. But I was already familiar a little bit with with Argento. I'd seen some of his other movies before that one and had seen and also the score. That was another reason why 
I wanted to see it so bad too because I'd already had been a fan of Goblin through uh, Dawn of the Dead, some of a few other Italian movies I'd seen. So at at the, at that point, if you're already a fan of some of his other stuff, then this being probably one of his better ones, you're instantly going to fall in yep. love with this. Yeah, I was excited when that when that first official VHS US VHS hit the shelves. So mm-hmm. and I already knew it was going to come out just through the pages of Fangoria. Yeah. But when it finally did, I ended up well, at one point I ended up get, getting a hold of the VHS because it wasn't this was about eighty eight. I don't think it was uh it only cost me like twenty five bucks, I think. Because by that time it you know, a VHS for video stores used to be like eighty, ninety, hundred dollars mm-hmm. for one tape if you were to try and buy it yourself. But on the tail end of the 80s, they had already started to sell some for, you know, dropping the price a little bit. So I think I got it for 30 bucks. Yeah, and if you go, I'm assuming this is the one that you talked about that you posted on uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram. Yeah. Whatever, right? Yeah. So if you guys go on our uh, Facebook page, and uh, I think you, you, put, you posted on Instagram as well, I think. You can see, yeah, yeah, you can see a, Smoke's yeah, uh, signed VHF, VHS copy. Yep, along with the picture, I think I posted on the Facebook page. I know of me with Argento when he was signed back in '92. That was that was a pretty amazing convention, actually. I didn't look this up. Is he still alive? Yeah, Argento is. He's yeah. he's still alive. He's still putting out some, churning out some movies. But there, you know, these days I think it's just a it's just a paycheck, pretty much. He's not his heart's not in him anymore. I guess. So. Yeah. He they're not as innovative as they used to be, of course. I guess it happens to most of them in the end. Yeah, fade away some most most of the time. Those guys. Um, yeah, because speaking of that, I mean, he's. I haven't. I've seen some of his latter day ones, but I mean, really, this this movie's part of a trilogy, and one of those, the last one being the Three Mothers, which he put out in two thousand seven. And I have it, but I haven't even got around to watching it yet. Huh. I didn't. I wasn't aware of that either. I have to check those. What What was the other one? Well, the first the first one was Suspiria, mm-hmm. and then it, you know it deals with. And it, it's called the Three Mothers Trilogy, the Mayor Suspiriorum being the Latin for Mother of Scythe, is the, the head witch in Suspiria. And then there's Mater uh, Tenebrarum in the in movie Inferno, which came out in 1980. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, I think that's Latin for Mother of Darkness, I believe. Okay. And she was the head in Inferno. And then the third movie was called Mother of Tears, and that was Mater... Uh, Lacrimarum, which is Latin for Mother of Tears. I had no idea that there was a. These were connected to two other movies. Yeah, they, and they're not really connected by characters per se. Just just by theme. just the. Yeah, the three mothers, yeah, yeah. three three different witches. I want to check those out? I'm sure we'll get around to them on here at one point or another. But right. you have to check those out. Yeah, Inferno is definitely worth it. And if we ever get around to doing Mother of Tears, that'd be good because that that would be one I think none of the three of us have seen because I haven't yeah. seen it. Will surprisingly has seen that one. <laughs> oh, weird! Uh, <laughs> last Thursday didn't have much so. <laughs> on VHS, and I don't even have a VCR. <laughs> I just held the spool up to the sun because that's how that works. I don't think it works oh, that yeah. way, but all right. Well, if you put a magnet behind it and hold it up to the sun, no, that's just a rabbit. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I guess we'll get into the the film Suspiria itself. Like I said, it was released in uh, August of 1977 here in the United States. So you kind of get your wrap your mind around the time because 
you know, when you when you watch this movie, you have to take that into consideration. That this was 1977, and you know this this wasn't made ten years ago or five years ago, where the uh, special effects are a thousandfold better. But for the time, I think the way he shot it, and the lighting, and the music, and everything, it just works. Oh yeah, yep. And I think during that time, and before a little bit, the the whole Italian and European aesthetic of filmmaking was, of course, a lot different than than the American. So it didn't necessarily have to completely make sense for it to be a good movie. Then you know you could. You can have the visual and audio aspect of it, and the storyline is there, but it might not be as laid out for you like, you know, your typical American horror movies were at the time. I think it's in a lot of ways it's done so well as far as the way it was shot and uh, put together and the music and everything that it kind of covers up a lot of the the story holes and you know plot yeah. hole, plot holes or whatever that are in it. Um, yeah, I so the uh, it it I think it uh, you got the opening credits, and um, that's this is where you hear the Goblin soundtrack, the classic music you know by Goblins and Argento himself, and um, mm-hmm. did you hear some narration during it? Yeah, Susie Banyan. Yeah, about Susie Banyan, kind of setting up you know I, I guess a little bit kind of gives you a little bit of backstory, just enough to kind of get into it and know what's going on when the uh, yeah. And their uh, credits are over. It opens up on uh, the airport arrival board, and then it kind of pans down, I think, and, or over, and you see Susie Banyan walking in, you know, coming off of a plane, and she's walking through the uh, um, terminal. I guess trying to get out the front door, and I, I thought it was it was pretty cool. Like it would, you know, she's walking, you know, along minding her own business, and then it would cut to the to the door you know like the door that leads outside the airport and then it's all dramatic and thunderstorm and music then it cuts back to her oh yeah uh they really played up the uh music and the sound of everything oh yeah or he did you know argento did in this in my opinion that like that it just kind of sets this like uh i guess like a uh tone of dread you know, like you know, something bad's gonna happen, even though nothing is ba- nothing bad at all is happening. Oh yeah, yeah, I'd definitely say that. Just this, the music and sound itself, kind of giving you that that uh, ratcheting up that suspension. Yeah, and the and the she gets to the the door, and the doors whoosh open, and like you see the gears or whatever, you know, like the uh, the the mechanical contraption up at the top of the door that kind of moves them from side to side. It's just you know, it's just it's just well done, in my opinion. Just the simple things. Yeah, you didn't things you didn't necessarily like. I said, see in your typical horror movies at the time. No, like that. Nobody would focus on setting it up that way to show those gears. Like, like they would. Most people think, well, that's unnecessary. We'll just go to. It would just be her walking through the doors out to the outside. Yeah. and get on to the next part of the story. Not, not setting up that atmosphere like they like you did in that one. So you know, like I said, she's walking along. You know, the whooshes and the sound and the music and everything. So she finally gets outside, and it's like a torrential downpour. It's like you know, uh, the storm from hell. And um, she's out there trying to call down a taxi. All of them are passing her by. Finally, one stops, and she and then she's like, "Can you help me?" And then and I guess the dude doesn't even like fucking acknowledge her to help her with her <laughs> bags. And she just kind of stands there for a second. And says, all right, well, grabs her bags and throws them in. <laughs> 
<laughs> so like not much different than New York, I guess. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's it, it's raining. You're already wet. You take care. Of yeah, you you got it. You got it. She's got you. Got to be like 125 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> you got this. Um. So she, you know, throws her shit in and gets in the taxi and and uh, they're going they're going down the road like she <laughs> that where was it he told uh she told him to take her to wherever she was going like to the uh the ballet school or whatever yeah Estrasa or Estrasa. Like that, she has to say it like 18 <laughs> times before the dude <laughs> yeah. and then finally like she, he doesn't it's like he doesn't hear her. she shows him like a piece of paper or something He's, oh yes Estrasa. <laughs> yeah i guess they're, they're like playing off the fact that she's not she's saying it but she's not pronouncing it right quite enough for him to get the Whatever American accent that she's, but although, although when he says it back, it's the exact same thing. Yeah, exactly. Can you take me to Pizza Hut? Uh, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, ah, Pizza Hut, uh, yes. Uh, it's <laughs> uh, yeah, so like they're driving down the road, and like every once again, the music and everything, and uh, every cutaway is sinister with the, the music pounding and. Mm the timpanies and everything and like even just like the uh every the way everything's lit you know like when they're passing through yeah. the woods and like they got the you know all the colors and everything it's just it's pretty cool yeah this might be a good time to mention about that too as far as like because it being the, the whole movie being shot that way in primary colors and that comes from the school of another italian school uh mario bava his type of filmmaking which he was sort of a a inspiration i guess to bava as well as a lot of other italian directors that came i mean an inspiration argento and a lot of other italian directors that came later is that primary color scheme sort of gives you that dreamlike imagery mm-hmm. it definitely adds to this movie for sure you know all the different colors oh, yeah. and the angles and everything mm-hmm. um yeah i think when uh when uh, me and josh was talking about this at work like it definitely to me gave kind of a, a uh, feel similar to the shining it, just as far as i don't know it just felt like the color palette was was similar between the two movies and the the epic scope of everything too oh, yeah. you know the, yeah the wide shots and wide shots yeah mm-hmm. um so is it she she's riding the taxi to the school they she eventually they eventually get there um and as soon as she as soon as she rolls up she gets out of the car and then a. uh a girl is coming out of the front door of the school and she's talking to somebody that's inside the school, but you can't make out because the storm's going on. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of chaotic. You can't make out what she's saying. Then she just takes off and runs away. Um, so Susan, and the camera focuses kind of like tight shots on the girl's mouth where I guess maybe if you could read lips, you could tell what she's saying because yeah, yeah. that comes into play a little later. Yeah. But otherwise you have no idea what just happened and you yeah. know, maybe it's throwaway. Maybe it means something who knows. Um, so then like the girl takes off and runs away and then, uh, Susie tries to get into the school. Um, but they won't let her like some, someone's on an intercom. Right. And like, she's like, can I come in? I'm, I'm so, you know, I'm Susie Banning. I'm here. And, and like, no one will let her in. Yep. So she just gets back in the taxi and, and heads, heads on back, I guess, you know, to find somewhere to be for the night. And, um, but as the taxi's going back, like kind of also, I guess she's like, I guess she looks out the window and sees the girl that ran away from the school. Right. Running running through the woods. Now I'm I'm unclear. Did she, do you think she saw that or was it just like a clever way to, 
Well, she's she's heading back that way, and it just so happens that the girl's running that way. You know, so here yeah. you see the girl running in the woods. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely feel like that was her, the girl that was had left or run out of the school when she was walking up to it. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I gathered that much, but, like, I just mean that, like, do you think Susie saw her, or was it just a clever transition oh, to move on? Yeah, right. Yeah, that part, yeah, I don't know if he just maybe leaves that up to you to decide, but, yeah, they don't really specify whether she actually sees her or points to her or yeah, yeah. follows her or anything. Um, but it's another cool shot. It's it's lit really cool with the colors and everything as she's running through the woods. And uh, then it just kind of cuts to uh, her at uh, this apartment building or like a dorm building or something. I guess it's just like an apartment building in town, right, where all these students, some of the students stay. Um, the girl that was running away from the school arrives there, and um, she's all freaked out. You know, she's spazzing, and uh, she tells her roommate that she's going to leave. Um, so I guess they're kind of having a discussion like, no, don't leave. You know what? You know, just calm down this kind of thing. And I guess she kind of leaves the room and then the girl, like the girl that was running away is sitting there in the room by herself. And then she's looking at the window and you, I guess you hear the music kind of eerie music and it's cutting back and forth. And then she looks, she gets closer to the window and looks, and then she sees eyes open up like something's on the other side of the window. Blowing. Glowing eyes. Yeah, didn't she eyes. look at like before the eyes popped up? Didn't she look at the window like forty times? Yeah, I mean, like because there's something like yeah, there's something that. outside the window, right? Like kind of flailing in the wind. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think it was a tree. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, that, yeah, limb. she she grabbed the light bulb because she puts a light bulb up to the window, and I can't remember if that's before right now. If that's before or after she saw the eyes, I, I think, think that was before. I think that was before she saw the eyes. Yeah, she kind of like holds the lamp up to the window. And then there's, you can tell there's, there might, there may or may not be something there, and all of a sudden the eyes open up. Yeah. And she, uh, she screams or whatever, and then a hand busts through the glass and then starts pushing her face, like grabs her, I guess the back of her head, and starts pushing her face yeah. into the glass. Not just trying to grab <laughs> her and like pull her through, but like pushing her face through the glass. <laughs> and that that's another quite good time to mention that too is some sort of recurring theme with Argento as well because I know for a fact there's at least one other movie where that similar type scene happens is in Deep Red where there's an actress whose face is being smashed in the glass like that and busts through the glass mm -hmm. so just the, I guess just the visual aspect of that I mean it is pretty it is a pretty jacked up visual so I guess you know yeah don't really need to go away from it <laughs> It also reminded me of being like a five-year-old kid and sitting in the back of a car bored. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in the back windshield? Yeah. <laughs> just, pushing, <laughs> just pushing her face up again. That would have been awesome if just out of nowhere she just goes, <laughs> Maybe the next time we all take a road trip, I'm just going to do that the entire way. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, he's like, it, it, he or she, whatever it is, some some kind of ghoul, whatever, is pushing her face through the glass, and then it kind of cuts to her on the roof. I guess she gets, I guess somehow she gets out of this predicament, or does she fall? No, she falls out, right? I'm blanking. So <laughs> she's getting her face pushing in the glass. Does she fall through it, or did like she just break loose and all of a sudden she's on the roof? I think she just broke through. Well, or I know she gets her face pushed through it, but then it's kind of hazy as far as how exactly she gets to the next shot. 
I think it just kind of cuts to it, like that. Yeah, call. that's what I mean. I don't think it. You don't yeah. see it happen. It's just kind of like, all right, now right. she's she's running away and she's on the roof, and something catches up to her and just starts stabbing her. Yep. As the her roommate, the other girl is like screaming for help. I guess because now she realizes there's some shit going on, so she's banging on the door and she's screaming for help. And she's getting stabbed up on the roof or the balcony or wherever the hell that's at. I'm assuming it's the roof. Yeah. And uh, then it stabs her in the heart. Like her heart still beating. Like you could see her heart. Yeah, it's like exposed because I guess all the stab wounds he stabbed her yeah, in is exposed just, her he heart. He stabbed her heart open, her chest open, <laughs> and her heart's still beating there. And he just stabs her right in the heart. And it's spurting. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then she kind of... And then, like, she, so she's on, like, the glass, I guess it's like a glass ceiling, and she's on it. Stained glass? Yeah, yeah the stained glass ceiling, and she's on it, and she just kind of m- starts melting through the glass almost. Like, it's not, it's like, I guess the glass is giving way, so she's just kind of. Real like, fragile. And, yeah, yeah, she's just kind of melting through it. And I think her head's the first thing to kind of poke through, right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. She's kind, it's like her head's leaning her back, head. and she's kind of melting through the glass, and then uh, she just falls through, and then there's, like, a cord wrapped around her neck and then snap. She's just hanging yeah, there. She falls to the length of that cord and just yep, snaps her back. Meanwhile, uh, her, her roommate that was screaming for help or whatever is down on the f- bottom floor of this glass ceiling. And I guess when she fell through, you know, she fell through and is hung there. Um, hmm. She's impaled by like metal and glass. Yeah. Like framework just, of the stained glass. Yeah, so and she's just stained glass there. itself. Yeah. She's just laying there all cut up and dead. And uh, and that was another great tracking shot too. It's just very the camera tracking from her hanging by her neck down her leg to the because there's like the blood streaming down her leg from the stab wounds mm-hmm. to the reveal of the her friend on the floor with the stained glass shards and metal fragments in. It. It's intermission. It's intermission. It's intermission. It's intermission. Ice cream, candy, lemonade. I said, then you kind of cut to the, I guess it's the next morning and, uh, there's a blind guy walking down the road with his dog, walks up to the school and he ties a dog outside. And then Susie Banyan comes walking in. (coughs) Sorry. I guess around the same time and she kind of introduces herself to, uh, Miss Tanner and uh, Madame Blanc, and uh, yep. these, you know, this is the introduction of two of the main characters. And uh, Madame Blanc says she knows her aunt. You know, I guess you know she's contributed a lot of money to the school and to the arts and ballet and everything. And uh, then she starts talking to her about how it's going to be like fifty bucks a week uh, for a room in town with a roommate because I guess she was supposed to stay there at the school, but there wasn't a room. For her, so she's gonna have to stay with this other girl in those apartments. I guess it's the same place where the uh, the uh, murder just happened, right? It's the same apartment. Yeah, like a like a dorm where the I guess all the the overflow of students who couldn't stay on site had to stay there. Yeah, but, but I'm assuming that that's the same place that this murder just took place, right? I can't remember. I think it's the same place, right? I believe so. I'm not. Yeah, I don't know if they make that crystal not 100%, clear, but, but yeah. I think it is. <laughs> Because, yeah, there was other students there, too, right? I think with her 
Yeah. I believe I might have to go back to that part too and revisit that, but but I believe it was, yeah. This is once again, I think, like some of these little bitty kind of lost things, like, you know, that I guess you have to kind of assume yourself, you know. Not that you have yeah. to have, you know, not that you need uh, your hand held through every movie that you watch, yeah. but there's definitely, you know, certain aspects that they just leave, you know, hey, you'll figure it out, you know, I guess kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't, don't necessarily, they, he doesn't necessarily give exposition for it. Yeah. Just... Yeah, exactly. It just kind of happens and you're like, okay, well, I guess this is what it is. <laughs> um, so, you know, they don't have a room for it there, so it's going to be $50 a week for a room in town with the roommate. Um, but then I guess, you know, they're about to show her around the school when she says, she sees the investigators there that are kind of asking questions about the girl that just died the previous night. And she says to them that she saw the girl leaving the school <coughs> the previous night. Sorry. And, uh, you know, they're kind of like, all right, you know, she told her, she told them, I guess, what she knew on the spot. All right. What she can remember. And so she's walking up the steps. <clears throat> this is where you're introduced to. Pavlo, the ugly servant. <laughs> Younger brother of Jaws from the James Bond movies. Yeah. <laughs> it might be an illegitimate brother of Lurch, too. Possibly. <laughs> um, yeah, and they say something like, I think it's here, maybe it's later on or something like, uh, yeah, he's he's really uh, been rock, walking around here like a big shit because he's got teeth. He's got some, he's got some new teeth. He's got a new set of teeth or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> we pulled him from some dead lady from uh, about twelve hours ago. Yeah, <laughs> she didn't need him anymore. So they take you know they're walking Susie around. And they take her into the uh, locker room with the other dancers and basically say like, all right, you know, go ahead and get ready. You know, uh, get your gear on. And you can borrow some shoes from someone else or something. Um. Then uh, Susie and Sarah, I guess she kind of makes quick friends with this girl named Sarah, who's another dancer at the ballet school. And uh, they're having a conversation. Then Olga comes up and calls them snakes because their name starts with an S or some, some goofy shit. S is the name for snakes. Yeah, snakes. <laughs> <laughs> and then this also might be another time to mention about the dialogue. And the reason why some of that dialogue is a little bit childish in places is because... Argento actually wanted to use a girl. He wanted to be like a, a school for young girls learning ballet, like 12 years old would be the oldest one. But his dad, Salvatore Argento, that's putting up the money for it, and as well as I think the production studio said, no, that'd be a bad idea. I'm pretty sure it would be a banned movie with all this violence that goes on happening around 12-year-old girls. So, I can so he scaled it back and he said it was going to be 20-year-old girls, but the dialogue still stayed the same kind of <laughs> I could tell you right now, man, as creepy as this movie is in parts and violent, it would be that much more if it were like 12, 13-year-old girls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, he still kept some of that aspect just because I don't know if you noticed the doorknobs in the school that they go to open or in the middle of the door a lot of times, but they're high up. So, like, they, when they go up to open the door, they ha you see them reaching up to the doorknob. So, yeah. that was to kind of give it that young that they're still young like, girls. like a kid's fairy tale type yeah, aspect yeah. of it um so then you know like so she calls them snakes or whatever like she's just giving them shit for you know whatever reason she's talking shit in the locker room and then it cuts to Susie being uh i guess going to the apartment that she's renting out for 50 dollars a week and it just so happens to be the girl that just called her a snake or whatever and she <laughs> and she olga and then she apologizes olga. for 
you know, I guess for being an asshole. And uh, then a guy comes in um, that brings Susie's bags into the room. And Olga tells him this little backstory of like how he's like the errand. I guess he's like their bitch boy at the school because he can't afford to go to the school. So he has to like work his way through the school. And she instantly falls in love. Of course. Because <laughs> every girl loves the errand boy. Yes. <laughs> She's kind of remembering or it's kind of coming to her like what that girl was saying as she was coming out of the school. So she goes to the uh, school, I guess mm. the next day or whatever. And Madame Blanc says that the room at the school is ready. But she now it's like. Well, now I'm at the apartment, so I don't really want to stay here. And so she kind of acts pissed about it, but, you know, she's like, all right, whatever. Um, then the, uh, oh, so like she's, yeah, she's walking down the, so after, so okay. All right, let me regroup. After that, like, you know, she says she doesn't want the room at the school now. She's cool at the apartment. She walks away, and then, like, she's walking down the hallway, and then there's this woman, an older woman, sitting in a chair in the hallway like next next to the kitchen or something and then there's this little lord fauntleroy looking boy standing right behind her like you know in this little (laughs) dutch boy outfit yeah and she shines a knife in her face and then this makes her sick i guess right i guess i guess she puts some kind of witch hex on her or something just from (laughs) shining the knife yeah yeah i think i think it's uh for one number one a very, a very cool visual image, I guess, of the knife and the flashing blade. Yeah. It's probably the main aspect of why he shot that scene that way. And then secondarily, I guess you could say, yeah, it was part of the, like a witchcraft curse or something. Yeah. Because she just pissed off Madam Blank because she didn't want to uh, stay yeah. at the school. So, all right, yeah. all right, get her. So yeah. she kind of shine the knife in her face. She, so like she goes to ballet class and she's kind of like, uh, get in there and do your do do your dance. I want to see what you can do. But she's like, oh, I'm about to pass out or whatever. And she kind of she's kind of stumbling and bumbling around until eventually she just falls out, and uh, then blood is running out of her nose and her mouth. <clears throat> she kind of wakes up from this. Uh, all the teachers and stuff are surrounding her, and uh, Professor Vertigas is looking after her, and she, uh, he says she, she's had a hemorrhage or something, and. Uh, during all this, like, yeah, we brought your shit from your apartment. You're staying here now. So I guess all, all in all, that's like, that's how they got her to stay there, right? <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And I, again, too, I, I think that's awesome that they don't really, he doesn't really, you don't see them doing a spell or making a spell or, you know, conjuring a spell. It's just you, you kind of put it together in your head from that visual image of the knife that that's probably more than likely what happened. Yeah. But he doesn't just feed it to you that way. Once again, he's not—he's not kind of just hand delivering everything to you. You have to kind of figure it out yep. yourself, kind of. He's so kind of that, making it, I guess, it's kind of esoteric. It's, it's, yeah. That's probably what happened, but I'm not going to tell you for sure that's what happened. But. Yeah. So now she's staying at the school. She has a room there, and they—he puts her on like a restricted diet, but he still wants her to drink like this red wine, and it's—it's it's supposed to be like bland food, whatever. Yeah, all right. Yeah. So that you know, they move along, and like uh, then she's getting uh, dressed or whatever, she's getting ready for the day, and all of a sudden, like some stuff starts falling on top of her, and uh, she looks down, and then it's maggots, and there's there's maggots falling from the ceiling, and then all the and then all of a sudden you see all the girls start running out of the rooms and stuff. There's just maggots falling from everywhere. Um, they go up 
to the attic and or whatever it is. I guess the next floor up, whatever the hell that is, or I guess for whatever reason they store food up in the attic. And because uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and there's like some crates of rotten vegetables, and there's these maggots falling out of them and stuff. So everybody's freaking out, but they say, "All right, you know, uh, you can't stay on, you know, because it happened on the dorm floor, you know, where everybody's staying." So they're like, "All right, since you know all the rooms are covered in maggots, and we got to clean all this stuff up, everybody's gonna stay in the. I guess it's like a big dance hall, dance room, or something, almost like a gym or something. So they set up a bunch of yeah. cot, they set up a bunch of cots and some curtains and stuff, and like, all right, you're gonna sleep Curtain. in here. You're gonna sleep in here tonight." <laughs> so they're all they're all bunking in there and um then like they're sitting there I guess they're kinda laying there and all of a sudden you see like a silhouette behind the curtain. Once again lighting and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. the, the kind of cool lighting and all that. You see like this ghoulish, vampirish, whatever the hell it is, like something lays down in the bed and starts uh wheezing and snoring and stuff. As they're laying there, like Sarah and Susie are laying there, like kind of talking to each other about it. And Sarah says it's the directus or the directress. Which I assume means like she's like the head of the school or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. you never but you never see her. She's just kind of this weird silhouette yeah. shape behind behind them as they sleep. And at this part at this point she's unnamed. I don't think she, they haven't mentioned other than her being the director. Yeah. Other than directress, you don't know who it is. So, it's, yeah. it's so curious about everything that's going on. I'm surprised that somebody didn't try to peek behind the curtain and get a. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So after that, uh, that that weird woman with the knife and the boy, I guess they've been out like getting some groceries or doing something in town, whatever the hell they were doing, and they're they're walking back up to the school, and then uh, the blind guy's dog is tied up outside. And then it cuts back to inside the school, and uh, I guess you hear the dog and you hear the boy yelling or something like the that. Lord. The Lord. Lord. Yeah. So you, you hear some yelling or something out of school, and then Miss Tanner comes busting into the school in, in the middle of a practice or whatever and starts yelling at the blind guy. He's the pianist of the practice. Starts yelling at him that, that his dog just bit the boy, and then they start cussing and fighting each other, and she tosses him out. Which I thought it was a pretty funny scene, though the the way they were uh, interacting with one another. <laughs> you bitch! <laughs> oh, I'm ready to get out of here, you bitch! All right, so uh, she tosses the blind dude out, the blind pianist out, and then uh, it cuts to Susie, kind of in a room, you know, still, and uh, I guess she's still on the mend, and uh, the ugly dude Pavlo brings her her, her food, and uh, she eats it, you know, drinks the wine or whatever, and she's kind of out of it, and. Sarah comes in and she kind of sleepily, like, you know, she's kind of half asleep, half out of it. And she kind of points out that the teachers don't leave the school at night, you know, because if you go to the right, you're leaving the school, but all the footsteps are going to the left. So that's when they come to the conclusion that the teachers don't leave at night. And they're going somewhere deeper within some somewhere area of the school. Yeah. Um, but by the way, I don't I don't think I'd be eating any food from a place that had <laughs> maggots falling from the ceiling just the night before. <laughs> yeah. And Pavlo serving it to you. <laughs> Don't worry. He, t- he took out the front so he could gum your food. <laughs> oh, yeah, he, he had to have those new set of teeth put in, but it wasn't from the food, we swear. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, he thinks he's hot shit with those teeth. 
He does like to show them off. <laughs> Ladies, watch out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. right, so then it cuts to, I guess, like later on or somewhere else. The blind pianist is like eating at this German, I guess, like a German restaurant or some shit. I don't know what's going on. Like there's people dancing on the tables and. I guess he's. Oh yeah, yeah. He's having Old dinner. Yeah, I guess he's having like dinner and a, and a drink there, or whatever. You know, later in the evening after he's been tossed out and fired or whatever. And uh, so he he you know he takes his leave and he's got his cane and his dog and he's heading out and there's nobody around and he he walks into this huge empty courtyard. It's like in the middle of these like uh, Greek looking buildings. I mean, it's these massive buildings and there's this huge courtyard and he's standing in the middle of it. And there's nothing around, but the dog starts barking and freaking out. And then uh, he's kind of standing there like, what, what's going on? What's going on? And then something flies down from the shadows, like on top of the buildings, I guess. And then, uh, you know, kind of comes at him, I guess, with the, the camera angles and stuff. And then just out Yeah, of, just like great first-person camera point of view. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, his fucking guide dog just jumps on him and rips his throat out. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta say, did not see that coming. No, that was. I mean, you think it's gonna be like some vampire ghoul or some shit jumping off the building and attacking him? No, it's his dog. <laughs> He'll never suspect it. <laughs> Those witches are crafty bastards. That's right. <clears throat> not uh, the least of which, not the least of which, they're supposed to be in like I think Freiburg, Germany. Yeah, that scene where the, where the guard dogs attacks him and he's walking with those monuments are in Munich. So somehow he was able to get to Freiburg to Munich and get killed by the witches. And the- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I well, I think I saw somewhere where like uh like that was only on the English version of it. Like every uh, I guess I guess the original ver- cut of this, um, you know, it was taking place in Germany, but. In the English version, I guess something got messed up, and they uh, they said Switzerland. Oh yeah, yeah. That, it was supposed to be. It was the pronunciation. Yeah. Uh, he, whoever the narrator was, or when they pronounced pronounced it Freiburg or Freiburg, which is a place in Switzerland. Yeah, the movie was supposed to be in Freiburg, in Germany. Hmm. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was probably what happened in there. Some whenever they were translating it, they heard Freiburg and assumed it was Switzerland. Uh... They were talking about. Is that not exactly the way I said it? Uh, no, no. Yes, no that's no, what uh, I said. Uh, Jeez, Essestrasse. Kind of like Long Duck Dong or something. I am an, <laughs> an asshole. <laughs> potato, potato. Mm. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, the dog, so his guide dog like jumps up and rips his throat out and basically sitting there eating him when like a couple of cops or whatever they are come running and running up, uh, when they realize something's happened and they chase him away, the dog just runs away. So then it cuts to, uh, Susie, I guess in Madame Blank's office talking to her about the, uh, the girl that had, you know, ran out and died that, that first night at the beginning of the movie and how she heard some words. You know, I guess it's coming back to her what she heard um, as the girl was trying to run away. Um, So then, like, uh, it cuts to Sarah and Susie kind of walking along, like, talking about all their troubles and stuff. And uh, they get into a pool and they're swimming around. Once again, kind of cool looking, you know, the way they shot that and the lit it and everything. 
Yeah, and I think I read yeah. something uh, where the director like told him specifically to swim like as slow as gently. possible to <laughs> as gently as possible not to yeah. cause any waves to kind of show the tranquility of that scene. Yeah, it's a cool shot. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's when she. Uh, that's when they're kind of talking about that and the girl dying that night and everything, and then Sarah reveals that she was the one on the intercom that night that wouldn't let her into the building. She told her to. Yeah. I guess she was trying to get her to go away, or don't come in here. You're going to be screwed, you know. So I'm, I tried to help. Yeah. Uh, so they, By the way, I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> now we're in this together. <laughs> so then it cuts. So to, so let me get this right. You knew it was raining. You wouldn't let me in. <laughs> you dumb bitch. We're me and you. We're done professionally. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Christian Bell. Um, so then uh, it cuts to, uh, I guess Susie's kind of out of it again, you know, I guess from eating the food and drinking the wine or whatever. See, maggots. <laughs> Pavlo maggot food. Um, <laughs> and uh, Sarah wants to leave, but she can't. She, I guess she wants her to come along with her. Like, come on, wait, wake the fuck up, you know, so we can get out of here. Uh, she won't yeah. wake up. So she basically just like, fuck it, I'm leaving. Um, so Sarah's kind of like running away and is scared, you know, and she's trying to get out and, um, so what did I say? It says cut on windows breaking. Oh, like the windows just start breaking on their own or something. Right. And then she's getting cut up as she's walking away. Yeah. The shattering. Yeah. 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 Windows are shattering. And then she's, <laughs> I thought this was pretty funny. So like she, she, she hides it. Like some, somebody's coming after her. She realizes, so she hides in this room, and whoever it is that's coming after has got, like, a razor blade. Like, straight razor, yeah. Yeah, he's got a straight razor, and he's trying to, like, unlatch the door. And From the outside, and, like... And, and he's just scratching at it for ten minutes and cannot lift this door latch. <laughs> Me- meanwhile, like, she could have just kept her hand over the door. The person would have never got in, and she wouldn't have got cut. Yeah, because he... <laughs> He's got the strength of like a six month old trying to. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> and I don't think we ever really find out who that person was. It's probably a little kid. Yeah, maybe it was. Maybe it was little Lord Fauntleroy. I don't know. But <laughs> whoever it was could not get this latch on open to, to get in the room. So can she, you imagine how frustrating that is? <laughs> See, uh, see, on the other end of it, too, though, even if it wasn't the little Lord Fauntleroy kid, if it was the directress, who's also like 90-some-odd, well, probably more than that once, it, once all said and done, might be another reason why she couldn't get it up. Yeah. <laughs> Had the strength of a six-month-old. Maybe. Um, so, let me, so let me get this right. You can phase through a, a stain of glass, but you, you can't <laughs> knock open the lock? No. A, wi- a, a witch's greatest uh, foe is a uh, weak... <laughs> Weak door locks. Yes, that's right. No door it Turns mat. out it was it was enchanted. That's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> enchanted door latch. <laughs> um. So she kind of like so Sarah's in this room and like this person whoever it is is fumbling around with the door latch. So she uh like stacks some shit up and climbs out the window and then like falls out the window into like a room full of razor wire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and the probably one of the most what the fuck moments in the movie i mean of all the visual aspects i mean this is another cool visual and also something that makes you squeamish kind of like like ow you know cringe and stuff 
But why? What? What does the whole purpose of this whole room full of razor wire was just for her and, to fall into it for that scene? You know? And <laughs> and I'm pretty sure she when she uh, went through the window, she looked down. <laughs> but have seen all this, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, even like if it she, wasn't razor wire, this wire is probably going to get me tangled up pretty good. And it's not like it's a dark room. I mean, it's one of these weird Argento lit rooms. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, <laughs> she looks down and then just clearly just jumps straight to hell into it. And here goes the thought process. All right, I can stay in this one room where somebody clearly can't get in. Yeah. Or I could jump out this window into razor wire. She definitely should have just stayed in there. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah. Um. So, like, she jumps into this room of razor wire. She's kind of flailing around and screaming and stuff. Um. And then somebody, somebody just reaches in and cuts her throat. Like, I, I think you know the razor wire room would have been enough, right? Like, just she's probably not getting out of just that. Died in there, bleeding out. Yeah, just you know, it, you know, it must have been where uh, Saul. The Saw movies must have got some of their uh, material from that. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I've I've heard. Uh, what's the name that directed the the first Saw movie? Uh, uh, wasn't James James Wan? James Wan was it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. He was. Yeah, he he definitely in said in interviews that he got a lot of inspiration from not just Argento but just Italian giallo horror type flicks well, in so general. After seeing a couple of you know the the grisly deaths in this, you could definitely see that for sure. There's some inspiration oh, yeah. there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like somebody. Oh, they were probably, they were probably pissed at the fact that uh, she just that, that she just wouldn't open the door when they were trying to unlock it. Yeah, because it's the <laughs> same. I'm pretty sure it's probably the same razor blade that like reaches in and cuts her throat. So whoever that was yeah. on the other side of the door that couldn't lift the latch up, they could walk right in this room and cut her throat when they didn't need to in the razor wire room. <laughs> You'll be dead in 15 minutes, but nope. I'm gonna go ahead and do it now because yeah. you suck. <laughs> You're bad at running Somebody away. You killed. die. <laughs> uh, so then F Susie, of course, wakes up, you know, after all this shit has happened the next morning. And uh, to see that, like, Sarah's shit's gone, like, no sign of her, she's gone. And Miss Tanner walks in and says, no, she, in the, she just left in the middle of the night. She don't want to be here anymore. She's gone. So, uh, then Which she wasn't technically lying. No, no, she tried to get out and just fell in the razor wire room. Uh, can so, you can you repeat that? Uh, there there's a room full of razor wire in this place. Yeah, no need to explain. <laughs> where, excuse me. Uh, where's the beer bottle room? I don't want to walk through there. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> well, they couldn't put the attic upstairs. I mean, in the attic, you know, upstairs with the food. You know, that, that would just be ludicrous. Yeah. <laughs> all the all that rotten fruit. That's right. <laughs> Um, so Susie goes to this psychology meeting that I guess there's like a, uh, somewhere nearby, there's like this big, like psychology conference or meeting or something going on. She goes to this and she's asking around about Sarah. I guess someone, you know, that knew somebody or something. And then, uh, this, she's talking to this one professor and then it's a younger guy. And then he introduces her to uh, like an older professor, um, named professor Milius, I think was his name. And he tells her about, uh, I guess they both kind of tell her about uh, witch, witchcraft and witches and this witch named Helena Marcos that apparently had, uh, I guess, started the school that she was going to, right? I mean, they just kind of explain all this, right? Yeah, that, I think this is when they, he goes into the whole, the three mothers, right, and the witches. Mm -hmm. 
and the Mater Suspiriorum and you know, and that being Helena Marcos. And that apparently this school had started out of like a, as a like a uh, a school of occult of the occult and dance or whatever, and then eventually like um, something happens to oh. I, they 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 what they uh, burned her at the stake. What was it? I mean, something happens right. to Marcos, and then they uh, turn the school and just to into just a dance school. So, so apparently, to common knowledge, the witch stuff just went away, and it's just a a dance school. Right. And I do know that there's, mercifully, there's not, for it being a school of dance, there's not a whole lot of dance in the movie. So, yeah. <laughs> which I was good with. But that is in contrast with the remake, which does have quite a bit more dance-oriented stuff to it. <laughs> I kind of figured that, because they probably wanted to yeah. copy Black Swan a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly kind of the uh, the vibe I got from it a little bit. It was a little bit of that Black Swan style. Yeah. So is it like Step Up, Suspiria? which i'm sure we'll we'll talk about step up eventually because it's the worst horror movie ever (laughs) you got served oh wait that's a different movie (laughs) that's when we decided to do one of our ironic episodes it's not really a horror movie but it's scary enough (laughs) i don't know if we can deal with this one but let's watch Catwoman. <laughs> now in I, i'd read somewhere online like during that scene uh like the the script was getting changed so much that uh one of the actors at the conference uh was like literally having his lead his uh his lines like fed to him by somebody behind the bench huh. yeah that was that was udo kier the that uh was there late or was there later into the production where he didn't have the the script beforehand to go over so yeah and and since i know argento shot everything in the movie without sound and dubbed in everything later somebody yeah, was just back there feeding them the lines is that why there's always like this weird even though they're speaking english there's still like a weird dub over delay yeah yeah, yeah there's yeah because yeah you can tell like because he did shoot it where the where they would be speaking english yeah but uh, just uh, you know that kind of was something that sometimes for you know Italian films just to give it more of a uh, selling point for foreign markets and stuff too, like shooting it in English. I've but always, yeah, that dubbing is still off sync a little bit. I've also always noticed that in the spaghetti westerns, you know, the old Clint Eastwood spaghetti westerns so, and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, it gives it that gives you a little. Uh, oh, it's kind of weird. It's not. You can tell it's not that it wasn't in Italian. You can tell it was in English. It's just off just a hair here and there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, now we're back at the school, um, and Susie is uh, by herself, apparently, because everybody's left the school to go to a show, I guess, in town or something. So she thinks she's pretty much all alone at the school. And he, he uh, I guess it was, uh, uh, what's the, uh, Pavlo. <laughs> I, I guess, I think it was Pavlo. <laughs> brings her the food again and then like this time she she decides to like flush it down the toilet and then she yeah. and then she pours the wine into the sink and uh you notice that it's really hard for her to like get the wine off the sink so am i am i to assume it's just some nasty wine or is it blood i think it was a really old jello shot <laughs> <laughs> yeah really old <laughs> 
mean, uh, yeah, I, don't know. I guess yeah, it's another one of those things where he doesn't give exposition on exactly what it is, but you know that it's something to do with whatever it is. It's you know yeah. they're trying to keep her sedated, you know, yeah, whatever they're sedated with yeah. some sort or whatever, yeah, whatever yeah. they're doing to under her. spell. I, I couldn't quite tell, like, because I, I don't, I didn't think wine would stick to a sink quite like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it more smeared than stained. Yeah, yeah, but she kind of gets. She tries to clean it up, and she just kind of gives it up and just walks away. <laughs> Man, screw this. Um, so she, you know, she does this, and then uh, she notices, or she cuts out the lights in the bathroom after she's dealing with this in the sink, and then she looks over, like I guess, like a linen closet or something, like to the side there, and there's some glowing eyes in the closet, and then I guess she opens up the door, and a bat flies out and attacks her. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and, and and very typically Italian bat fashion, which is kind of like the bats, you know, from the old Universal horror movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the glowing eyes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So then she covers it with a towel, and then she just smashes it with a chair. <laughs> and up until that point, man, that 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 bat had a ton of fight in it. Oh yeah. <laughs> its greatest weakness was the towel. <laughs> this evil possessed bat is taken out by a towel and a chair. <laughs> um so then like i guess she hears some footsteps outside and she kind of counts the footsteps to see where they where the teachers are going or whoever's in the building yeah and uh she kind of you know so she slinks out into the hallway she's sneaking around she goes past the cooks in the kitchen and goes into madame blank's office uh then i guess that's where the uh the flashback to what the girl was saying comes back in you know the girl at the beginning of the movie that died yeah, yeah. uh so we're led to believe like earlier, er, earlier in the movie, you know, they, they flash her with the, uh, the knife and all of a sudden she feels sick. And then you're led to believe that the cooks are in on whatever suspiciousness is going on in this, in this, uh, school. But then, you know, like as this scene continues to go on, they, they just seem to be cooks. Well, I mean, she does manage to sneak past them. So I guess, you know, they just don't see her, but I mean, I kind of assume that everybody in this school is in on the, in on the gag, right? Like they're, they're in on it, except for the uh, the blind guy, the blind pianist. He obviously wasn't a part of it. Oh, yeah. So she sneaks past the kitchen, you know, past the cooks in the kitchen, and she sneaks into Madame Blank's office. And then she, like I said, she starts to recall what the girl was saying, and she remembers something about turn mm. turning the blue iris, or something about the blue mm. iris, right? Yeah, she remembers her being able to hear that portion of the words. Yeah. When the girl was running out when in the beginning of the movie. And, yeah, and there's like these different colored uh, flowers or irises on the wall. Mm -hmm. So she goes up. And yeah, she, wall decoration. Yeah, on the, on the, in the office. And she turns the blue iris and it opens up a secret passageway. Yeah. And uh, so she kind of, you know, goes down. It's, you know, there's, I guess there's like torches and stuff like that. She's going down this passageway. And then she finds uh, Madame Blank and some of the others that work in the school, like in this room, yeah. like I guess doing, doing witchcraft stuff. <laughs> like Madame Blank sitting there, <laughs> sit, sitting there like the American must die. She must vanish. <laughs> and it, to me, it said more like she was just talking crap about her. <laughs> yeah. It's not witchcraft. It's not witchcraft. It's just shit talk. They're, they're just jealous of her dancing style. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> And that's the other thing too. Like, why must she die and vanish? Like, they they wanted her there, right? I mean, they basically forced 
her to be there. But now, like, uh, she's too smart. Let's get her out of here. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Why, why did they want her there to begin with? Uh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna do our running joke. It was 1970. Yeah, 1977. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, Italy in 1977, no less. That's right. It's, it's European thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so you know they're talking shit, and uh, so Susie kind of like, oh no, I, I gotta get out of here, and. Uh, so she kind of like ducks into a room off to the side and, um, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, no, no. She, I think before she does that, she finds Sarah's body, right? Yeah. Like yep. laying on a table or something like that. Yeah. She's all cut up and dead. Uh, then she ducks into a room where, uh, there is a, there is someone or something laying in a bed snoring. Hmm. And um, she's kind of like looking at her or whatever, and then like I guess she goes to back out, and she knocks over like this this uh, peacock thing that's kind of like sitting in the room, and it these uh, needles, yeah, the, these things like roll down the floor or whatever, and that wakes uh, wakes up whoever's in the bed. And I guess that's where you discover that it's Helena Marcos, right? Yeah, and uh, the directress, yeah, the directress, or Mater Superiorum. Um, she she uh. What does she say to her um, at that point? Like, uh, I knew you'd come, or I knew you would eventually come, or something like that. Uh, oh, yeah. Then this is where we find where uh, where she cut, she can't really see her right, except for in silhouette mm-hmm. with the light. Yeah, you kind of just see the outline of her. She goes yeah. invisible. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, um, then uh, the corpse, or the I guess the zombie, the dead Sarah comes busting into the room Susie stabs the invisible Helena Marcos who's sitting in the bed and then and then the whole place just starts going crazy like the walls start rumbling or you know I guess the ground starts shaking the walls are caving in um that coven of witches you know all the people that have worked at the school they're they're in the other room just blah, 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 like freaking out <laughs> and uh so she Susie just kind of uh, starts making her way out of there, which I thought, like, she's not booking it, man. Like, she's kind of a lot of snail's pace, just kind of looking around, <laughs> kind of slowly trotting out. Like, she's not hauling ass out of there. Yeah. <laughs> well, how many opportunities do you get to uh, run out of a, a building that's exploding? Yeah. Like, she wants to dwell- <laughs> you got to take it all in, you know? Yeah, she wants to dwell on it. <laughs> When will I? When will I be here and do this again? You never know. Um, it might be at least a couple. It, it might be at least a couple more weeks before this happens again. That's true. To the yeah. So she, the next set of dancers come around. So, so she kind of like slowly makes her way out, like back out the tunnel, you know, the secret passageway into the room, blah blah blah, like all the way out the house. The house is falling mm. apart, and then the uh, the school catches fire. I guess when she gets out, right? Like she's completely out, and then the school just catches fire. Yeah. And then she's just kind of standing out there looking at it, and then it says, You have been watching Suspiria. And then the credits roll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, I guess that's pretty much it, you know, for that. Um, Will, what were your thoughts and reactions to it after seeing it? I guess, well, I guess what, we'll just go ahead and do our ratings. What's your rating on it? Uh, I know that Yara pretty big fans of this but this one this one just didn't resonate with me uh so i think i'm gonna go probably about a two and a half on this 
Wow. Okay. Yep. Well, I can. Uh, I can. I can understand it. I think seeing it the first time around as well too. But like uh, we were talking about before earlier, before we got into the synopsis, I've seen it the first time on video. I'll be familiar with copy out there unless you were in you know like a grindhouse in new york or something I, I, I did end up seeing this movie twice in the theater too and once in it was in san francisco and i can't remember the name of the theater there. i don't even think it's there anymore uh it was on hate street back in 93 or so 94 maybe and it was the r-rated cut because they didn't you know it was 35 millimeter print and so they didn't have they didn't have the uncut version so it was already so they trimmed a little bit of the a little bit of the opening scene out and maybe a couple other like the, the throat slitting scene from the barbed wire room some of that was trimmed down from the R-rated version. So, and then I saw it again here recently, maybe a year or so ago. And uh, when it was, I was in Charlotte actually. It was up there in that Arsley uh, Grand, yeah, up there in Charlotte. So. And just it was an amazing experience in theater. I think, especially with the with the cinematography and with the Goblin soundtrack. So, I go with uh, a four and a half for me on that one, on this one. Uh, myself, I think I'll go with a. Uh... I think I'll go with a four on it. Like you say, the, the, the soundtrack, you know, just the way this thing is shot. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a beautiful horror movie. <laughs> yeah. You can yeah, think of yeah. it that way, I guess. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a pretty movie. Um, yeah. And, and you know, it's not, it's not overly gory. I mean, it's, there's a couple of parts in there where it needs to be, but it's not overly violent or gory, which, you know, they don't always have to be. Um, True. So yeah, I mean, I'm. I, I think on a scale of one to five, I, I'd put it at a four. But I could see where you know, Will, you know, this being the first mm. time you've seen it or heard of it, I could definitely see yeah. <laughs> where you would, uh, yeah. you know, because some of the threads don't make sense, like we talked about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and, yeah, and that's and I think that's part of not just Argento or or even not just Italian filmmaking, but European filmmaking in general, and with horror movies, especially in the seventies and eighties, had that. It was more. It was style. I mean, you could really say a style over substance, really. I mean, yeah. As far as storylines go, that it, uh, but then once you get bitten by that bug, I guess, as far as Euro, Euro horror or whatever, then you, you kind of, I guess, get used to that or you, it's just second nature. You know that you pretty much know going into it that it's probably not going to make a whole, not necessarily a whole lot of sense, but it's going to be visually stunning. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There were, there were, like, don't get me wrong. I mean, even though I did give it a low rating, like, there were, there were parts of the movie that, that I really enjoyed. It was just, uh, between, between that, uh, like some of the storyline, you know, like you said, you know, was, uh, was a little light. So I don't know. It, it was just hard for me to really connect to the movie. Mm-hmm. And there again, you know, I didn't know the background of the, the movie and all the mm-hmm. story. Yeah. I know there's some, speaking of the cinematography and everything on it, I know there was, uh, see, I, I had always thought that I had heard or read or whatever that it was shot in Technicolor, but I, it wasn't actually shot in Technicolor. I think I can't remember what the last movie that was shot in that actual Technicolor process was, but it was processed. The film was processed using using the three strip Technicolor process, which is what gave it a lot of that color and everything. So, so uh, any rate, it still definitely made the color colors more vivid than. Uh, actually, I think it was shot in Eastman Kodak. That's what they shot it in, like a lot of the movies, like then when they went from Technicolor to Eastman Kodak, but they processed it using the technicolor process you could definitely see that in it you know the, the color yeah. you know, the, the way the color is in it you can definitely see like the older older style to it all right i guess that'll wrap it up for our discussion of uh suspiria um man if you guys knew what kind of uh hurdles we had recording this episode you'd <laughs> you wouldn't believe it all right so next time 
on our next episode, whenever we can get all this uh, mess cleared up and uh, actually be able to record this in one sitting, um, we are going to review and discuss the 2017 Argentinian horror movie, Terrified, uh, which also has a the original title, I guess the Argentinian title is uh, Adorados. Um, the uh, synopsis that I have here is, uh, when strange events occur in a neighborhood in Buenos Aires, a doctor specializing in the paranormal, her colleague, and an ex-police officer so decide to investigate further. Um, I don't think uh, any of us have watched this, so this is one of those ones where you know you'll get a um, uh, a fresh perspective uh, from all of us on this one. That will be what we watch on the next episode. So if you have any questions or comments, um, you know, you, you dig in the show, you're not digging the show. You know, positive, negative uh, feelings and comments. You can uh, email us at allamericanspookshow at gmail.com. Um, you can find us on Twitter at AA Spook Show. And we're also on Instagram and Facebook. You can just find us by searching All American Spook Show. And we have a YouTube page, the All American Spook Show podcast. So I guess that's, uh, I guess that'll do it for this uh, episode for uh, Will and Smoke. I'm Josh. Uh, we'll see you next time here on the All-American Spook Show podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Come back next time for an all-new All-American Spook Show podcast.